Welcome to another episode of These Poets Are Dead. As usual, I'm Anna, and I will be reading to you this week some selections from Wordsworth. I feel like it's worth pointing out that he has literally the best name for a poet. Anyway, I hope you enjoy, and if you do, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Now after that bad poetry, please enjoy some Wordsworth. Tis said some have died for love. Tis said that some have died for love, and here and there a churchyard grave is found, in the cold Norse's unhallowed ground. Because the wretched man himself had slain, his love was such a grievous pain. And there is one whom I five years have known, he dwells alone, upon Helven's side. He loved the pretty Barbara died. And thus he makes his moan. Three years had Barbara in her grave been laid, when thus his moan he made. Oh, move thou cottage from behind that oak, or let the aged tree uprooted lie, that in some other way yon smoke may mount into the sky. The clouds pass on, they from the heavens depart. I look, the sky is empty space. I know not what I trace. But when I cease to look, my hand is on my heart. Oh, what a weight is in these shades, ye leaves that murmur once so dear. When will it cease? Your sound my heart of rest bereaves. It robs my heart of peace. Thou thrush that singest loud and loud and free, Into yon row of willows flit, Upon that alder sit, Or sing another song, or choose another tree. Roll back, sweet rill, back to thy mountain bounds, And there forever be thy waters chained, For thou dost haunt the air with sounds that cannot be sustained. If still beneath that pine tree's ragged bough, headlong yon waterfall must come, oh, let it then be dumb, be anything, sweet rill, but that which thou art now. Thou eglantine so bright with sunny showers, proud as a rainbow spinning half the veil, thou one fair shrub, oh, shed thy flowers, and stir not in the gale. For thus to see thee nodding in the air, to see thy arch thus stretch and bend, thus rise and thus descend, disturbs me till the sight is more than I can bear. The man who makes this feverish complaint is one of giant stature, who could dance equipped from head to foot in iron mail. Ah, gentle love! If ever thought was thine to store up kindred hours for me, thy face, turn from me, gentle love, nor let me walk within the sound of Emma's voice, nor know such happiness as I have known today. A Character I marvel how nature could ever find space for so many strange contrasts in one human face. There's thought and no thought, there's paleness and bloom, and bustle and sluggishness, pleasure and gloom. There's weakness and strength, both redundant and vain, such strength as, if ever, affliction and pain could pierce through a temper that's soft to disease, would be rational peace, a philosopher's ease. 
There's indifference, alike when he fails or succeeds, an attention full ten times as much as their needs. Pride when there's no envy, there's so much of joy, and mildness and spirit both forward and coy. There's freedom and sometimes a diffident stare, of shame scarcely seeming to know that she's there. There's virtue, the title it surely may claim, yet wants heaven knows what to be worthy the name. This picture from nature may seem to depart, yet the man would at once run away with your heart, and I for five centuries right gladly would be such an odd, such a kind, happy creature as he. A Complaint There is a change, and I am poor. Your love hath been nor long ago a fountain at my fond heart's door, whose only business was to flow. And flow it did, not taking heed of its own bounty or my need. What happy moments did I count. Blessed was I then, all bliss above, now for that consecrated fount of murmuring, sparkling, living love. What have I, shall I dare to tell? A comfortless and hidden well. A well of love it may be deep, I trust it is and never dry. What matter if the waters sleep in silence and obscurity? Such change and at the very door of my fond heart hath made me poor. A Parsonage in Oxfordshire Where holy ground begins, unhallowed ends, Is marked by no distinguishable line, The turf unites, the pathways intertwine. And wheresoe'er the stealing footstep tends, Garden, that domain where kindred, friends, And neighbors rest together, here confound. There several featured, mingled like the sound Of many waters, or as evening blends With shady night, soft airs from shrub and flower Waft fragrant greetings to each silent grave. And while those lofty poplars gently wave, their tops between them comes and goes a sky, bright as the glimpses of eternity, to saints accorded in their mortal hour. Address from the Spirit of Cockermouth Castle Thou look'st upon me, and dost fondly think, Poet, that stricken as both are by years, We, differing once so much, are now compeers, Prepared, when each has stood his time, to sink, into the dust, erewhile a sterner link united us, when thou in boyish play, entering my dungeon, didst become a prey to soul-appalling darkness. Not a blink of light was there, and thus did I, thy tutor, make thy young thoughts acquainted with the grave, while thou wert chasing winged butterfly through my green courts, or climbing a bold suitor up to the flowers whose golden prodigy still round my shattered brow in beauty wave. Address to my infant daughter, Dora, on being remembered that she was a month old that day. 
Hast thou then survived, mild offspring of infirm humanity, meek infant among all forlornest things, the most forlorn, none life of that bright star, the second glory of the heavens? Thou hast, already hast survived the great decay, that transformation through the wide earth felt, and by all nations, in that being's sight, from whom the race of humankind proceed, a thousand years are but as yesterday, and one day's narrow circuit is to him no less capricious than a thousand years. But what is time? What outward glory? Neither. A measure is of thee whose claims extend through heaven's eternal year, yet hail to thee, Frail, feeble monthling, by that name, methinks, thy scanty breathing time is portioned out not idly. Hast thou been of smaller birth, crouched on a casual bed of moss and leaves, and rudely canopied by leafy boughs, or to the churlish elements exposed, on the blank plains the coldness of night, or the night's darkness, or its cheerful face of beauty? by the changing moon adorned, would, with imperious admonition, then have scorned thine age and punctually timed thine infant history on the minds of those who might have wandered with thee. Mother's love, nor less than mother's love in other breasts, will among us warm-clad and warmly housed do for thee what the finger of the heavens doth all too often harshly execute. For thy unblessed coevals among wilds, where fancy hath small liberty to grace, the affections to exalt them or refine, and the maternal sympathy itself, though strong, is in the main a joyless tie of naked instinct wound about the heart. Happier, far happier is thy lot in ours, even now to solemnize thy helpless state and to enliven in the mind's regard thy passive beauty. Parallels have risen, resemblances or contrasts that connect within the region of a father's thoughts. Thee and thy mate and sister of the sky, at first thy sinless progress through a world by sorrow darkened and by care disturbed. Apt likeness bears to hers through gathered clouds moving untouched in silver purity, and cheering oft times their reluctant gloom, fair are ye both, and both are free from stain. But thou... How leisurely thou fillest thy horn with brightness, leaving her to post along and range about, disquieted in change, and still impatient of the shape she wears. Once up, once down the hill, one journey, babe, that will suffice thee. And it seems that now thou hast foreknowledge that such a task is thine. Thou travelest so contentedly, and sleep's in such a heedless peace. Alas, full soon hath this conception, grateful to behold, changed countenance, like an object sullied o'er by breathing mist, and thine appears to be a mournful labor, while to her is given hope and a renovation without end. That smile forbids the thought, 
for on thy face smiles are beginning, like the beams of dawn, to shoot and circulate, smiles have there been seen, tranquil assurances that heaven supports the feeble motions of thy life, and cheers thy loneliness, or shall those smiles be called feelers of love, put forth as if to explore this untried world, and to prepare thy way through a straight passage intricate and dim. Such are they, and the same are tokens, signs, which, when the appointed season hath arrived, joy as her holiest language shall adopt, and reason's godlike power be proud to own.